Cubiños en el arco, la defensa es colosal González, Orlando, La Torre, Nicolás, Fuentes y Chumpitas Chalemifrin y Cubillas y el gran Pericoleón Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan Yes, it's the Peruvian Waltz podcast. I'm Peter Galindo, joined by the regulars. We have Renato Vilches with us. Renato, how is it going? Everything's going fine, and the semester is finally nearing. Hope so happy that school will be over. I'm back again. Happy to talk about some Peruvian football. We will also introduce Kevin Montalvan. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing well, Peter. I'm glad to be back and. Talking about our, our one shining light in South American competition. Yes, excellent transition. Uh, so yeah, we are recording after the conclusion of match day three in Ball competitions. It will be jam-packed until the end of the month, so expect the same sort of posting schedule from us. Uh, but guys, we are speaking just minutes after uh, Sport One Gallo's match against Corinthians. I- I'd rather focus on the positive, though, as Kevin touched on, which is, once again, Melgar. Um, they got a massive 1-0 win over Atletico Paranaense on Tuesday. Christian Bordacar scored off a header following a Pablo Reina cross, uh, which was eventually flicked on. And that gave Melgar their third win from as many games and a three-point advantage over Paranaense in the group. Now, obviously, Paranaense hasn't been in great form in the Sudamericana, Renato, but how did Melgar pull this off? I think they had a good game plan. If you saw the match, you could see that Melgar was trying their best like to make sure like they were getting the most out of chances, especially with the work between Cuesta and Eberico. I really also thought that the defense was very strong, especially with Jose Lujan, who I I can tell has been a massive upgrade over, let's say, Paulo Fuentes from last year. In fact, he's been a possibly the so Santa Maria replacement that Melgar has been missing for a while. But now they got that. I think I think they just had the plan right from the start, like just attack when you need and defend when you need, and they find they got it. I'm pretty sure that even if with like if Byron Nancy was trying, Melgar would have found a way to defend from like attacking up Byron Nancy, and the game plan would have worked. Yeah, very possibly. Uh, Kevin, w- what did you make of Melgar's performance on on the whole? You, you have to say complete performance for sure. Um, I I really like this Melgar side and under uh, Lorenzo. It it was a good showing. Orsan with his pressing, Arias holding it down in the midfield. I think since uh, Pereira has has started in defense for in the Sudamericana, Melgar has not received a single goal. So that that's that's good. Maybe it's his his leadership alongside Luhan, that experience and youth that uh that's made a positive difference there. And that my boy Reina, Reina. He's doing the merits to get a call up in the very near future. I I just keep liking what I see. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm, I'm sure you guys have more to say on that, though. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit uh, for sure, because there's a few names on that Melgar side that could maybe find their way into the conversation when it comes to call ups. Um, but I guess on that subject, Kevin, um, w- would you say that? Reina was your man of the match, or was it somebody else? There were obviously several options to choose from. Personally, it would, for me, it would be between Reina and Iberico. But I, I, I think 
because the rain was so decisive uh, in in the the end where where they end up scoring on Atletico Paranaense, I have to give it to Reina. But I I do want to say. Iberico was pressuring. He was trying to force mistakes from the goalkeeper, from the defenders. And I, I really liked what I was seeing from him in offense. Yeah, might get into an interesting conversation about Iberico in, in a bit when we discuss Peruvians abroad and stuff. But uh, Renato, who for you was your man of the match for Melgar? I have to agree with Kevin. It's a tough choice between Iberico and Paolo Reina. But first, let me get into one of them. First, Paolo Reina. I'm a huge Paolo Reina fan. Ever since he's broke into Melgar's first team last year, he's been on quite a roll, and he has shown that he's continuing on this this year. And that set build up to that goal. It does show you that even though maybe Reina doesn't really is doesn't display that much offense if you look at his game closely, but when he does it, you can definitely tell that if he works more on that and or slash like displays more of his offense. Then he could actually have the chance to be a fully complete left back. Like he, he knows how to defend thanks to his physique, like technique and everything. But when he shows that offense, it could really be such a dangerous, dangerous tool that Melgar can use against any opponents from the left side. And that that cross was was pretty nice to say the least. Oh, yeah. As for Eberico, um, is what it's like what Kevin said. Um, he was everywhere on the like on the left side with Cuesta pressuring, like giving a lot of like attack and support. And I would say that maybe we could see him as an option on the left wing for the national team, actually. Because mm-hmm. I think at this point, we might have to get some options in case someone like Flores is not working or even Canchita as well. Yeah, very true. Very true. I mean, all good shouts. I'd even throw Alexis Adias into that conversation. He's a workhorse oh, in there. Oh, Adias as well. He's... And also a shout out to Fabio Pereira. On and on we could go in, in terms of candidates. Everybody was good. Like I said, complete performance from top to bottom, really. Um, and, and it showed on both ends of the pitch, because even Atletico Pananiense, they maybe had one half chance that you can maybe recall. I think it was sort of midway through the first half. But in the end, it wasn't even really that threatening to, to Casada. So overall, you, you have to say thoroughly deserved win. Very surprised at how, just I, I think how easily uh, Melgar was able to get the job done. Now, can they do it twice in a row? We'll obviously find out, but obviously very encouraging here. Now, the Peruvian Waltz founder, Brian Birdie, he put out a tweet. I believe it was the day after Melgar got the victory, and their record in Ball competition has been very, very strong, to say the least. Um, Kevin, what do you think they do well that other Peruvian clubs just can't seem to, to master in these competitions? Well, I, I think to, to start, they, they've kept the core for uh, a couple of years now. Casella has been with the team for a couple of years. Arias is one of their youth products who's become one of the, the standards, the emblems. And they they sign pretty well. Like they, whoever signs, whoever is the, their scout is doing a good job. He's brought in yeah. Cuesta, he's brought in Herrera. Uh, Arce was decent, even if he wasn't as good as, as uh, the aforementioned guys. Fabio Pereira, like they were willing to actually buy out his contract because his contract wasn't ending um, in Argentina until, I believe, this summer. Also, a shout out to Omar Fernandez. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. They, they, they've 
made some very good signings in, in recent times. I think uh, Narvaez, the Ecuadorian, actually got called up to the Ecuadorian national team at one point. You know, they, they've been willing to take risks with uh, with managers, giving uh, uh, Lorenzo as a, a debutant, a manager, Pautazo, uh, and, and coincidentally, that like the best times Melgar has been um, playing internationally. Renato, do you have anything to add in that regard? Like, do you think it's just as simple as keeping a core together, getting the right coach in, and just kind of going from there? Because whatever Melgar is doing, it clearly works. I mean, Kevin just nailed it on the park. It's just keeping, like, the core and just planning perfectly. I mean, if you want to compete in internet continental competition, you like, if you're a Peruvian team, you not only you should think about qualifying it, but you should also think about, like, planning it perfect together. I mean, one reason why the Peru, like some like teams, especially the provincial teams, always struggle in competitions like Libertadores or Sudamericana is, unfortunately, with the low budgets they have, they're not able to keep on to the players that really get them that far in Liga 1, but yet they can't show it in Gomi Bowl competition. I mean, look what happened to Binacional last year, and now even Ayacucho in the qualifiers, which we, we want, I'd rather not get into that, but I also will say that Melgar is also, like, as of recently, they've been a club that are willing to bet more on U23 players. I mean, they've shown that with, of course, Paolo Reina, Benu Moistier is also another shout, Walter Tandasso. Mm-hmm. And I even say that now with the return of Luis Everico, just shows you that they also like investing in their youth academy more often. But also, I do think that Nestor Lorenzo has been a great coach, at least in Sudamericana, and I think they could do better in Liga 1 right now. But I think with, like, Lorenzo's, like, continental experience working as the Columbia assistant manager when Jose Peckerman was there, and I think he was also Peckerman's assistant when he was also the manager of Argentina, like, I think in the 2006 World Cup. It does show you that Nestor Lorenzo has an idea of how these type of competitions work and that he uses tactics suitable in these type of situations. So that really helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. And you did mention something there that is obviously crucial to all of this. They do have financial backing and pretty consistent financial backing, uh, especially for you know a club outside of Lima, which you would imagine gives the advantage to them you know, even someone like Cesar Vallejo, who usually have quite a bit of uh, financial muscle themselves. And that's clearly a factor because you have to be able to pay for these things and, you know, have a good scouting network and all these factors as well. So that helps, but you have to start somewhere too. And even just having that structure and organization and, and clear sporting project can go a long way. We've talked about it a little bit already, guys. I, I mean, we might as well get into it now. Um, there are some intriguing options when it comes to La Selección on Melgar. We've seen everybody who you would imagine is fit enough to play for the national team has been on that preliminary list. Um, now, Carlos Casada and Paulo Reina theoretically have the best odds of making the final squad just because of the positions they play in. And I mean, Casada is pretty tenured at this point. But could you see someone like Luis Iberico or Alexis Arias making the final squad as well. Uh, Renato, what, what do you think? So, um, regarding Luis Everico, I think that he's definitely a candidate for left wing. First, we have to consider that even though Edison Flores is considered a fix in the team, 
as of recent, he's not been good, unfortunately, for Peru. I mean, his recent performances were very low standard, to say the least. And even in club form, Flores has not been really been kicking it well. And you imagine that if he's not doing it in the club form, then it's not going to translate well in the, on the national team. So we need new, like, fresh blood. And with someone like Emerico who not only could give you, like, the goals from the left wing, but even, like, the high pressing, like, the support. He could definitely be a good option. As for Alexis Arias, we do have the depth in midfield, but considering that we are in need of a tune successor in a way, or even, like, someone that could succeed him, I feel like Arias is, like, the one that has everything what Yotun can offer, especially with that dynamism. It's just surprising surprising that Gareca has never tested Arias yet, which I think it's probably because he hasn't left Peru yet, which I think everyone even questions to this day why Arias has not left Peru yet, but I guess that's also great news from Elgar, but who knows? I do hope that Arias gets a chance, but you may never know. And also, regarding Paolo Reina, I, I do think that he actually could duke it out with Marcos Lopez for the second choice left back because it's, I know Marcos Lopez plays in MLS, but with Paulo Reina, he's just, he's been everywhere, like on the Sweet Americana, even like in Liga 1, like you can see that like most of Melgar's like strain is on the left back side. His rise has been very fast. And the fact that he's already, he's already on the pre-list and not just his first full seat, about to be his first full season says a lot. Of course it does. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about either of those options, Arias or uh, Iberico, making the, the final list? Do you think they have a, a chance if they can continue this form? Well, I think for, for Arias, it's a little bit more complicated because of our depth in midfield. And when Arias has gotten some minutes in, in, in friendlies, I don't think it was his best moment. Right. So that may count against them in Gareca's eyes. That and Honestly, I keep forgetting his age, but he, he's 25 and yeah. and he's been ready to leave since like 23, I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> At least. Yeah. It's a mystery uh, why he hasn't left yet. Unless he loves Arequipa, the city itself. <laughs> I mean, Don't I'm sure it's a he nice does. city. It, it is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one would, one would think that he would flap his wings and and go abroad by now. Um, so I, I think those those things count against them uh, currently. As far as Iberico, well, we, we have needed another option at left wing, and he's in good form. He seems to be doing well in international competition. Always, you know, got, got a shout out that he won the, the U15 Olympics. So hey, that that I would I would mention that every day if I wanted. <laughs> yeah, it's strange because now like Eberico used to be a crack for like the U teams, but we did we haven't seen this Eberico in such great form since his youth career, which is something that's something astounding astounding to say. I I think it comes a little bit with uh, him not being a, a a striker anymore. He's he's still a forward. He's still very offensive, but he's more on the wing, more outside. It, maybe it's a little bit less pressure than, than trying to be a, a target man. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, kudos for um, the coaching staff for making that position change, for 
for having him settle in so quickly and, and performing in that role because now it could give him an opportunity going forward. Um, we may have more discussion on this a little bit later, but guys, unfortunately, we have to focus a little bit on the negative now. Um, Sport One Gallo has mentioned they did play today, but they end up losing 3-0 to Corinthians. Uh, it's the first time a Brazilian club has ever won a Sudamericana match in Peru, believe it or not. Um, but yet again, guys, another game, another goal conceded via a set piece for Huancayo. It happened on the opener. Um, why is that still an issue, Kevin? And I guess more broadly, why has Huancayo's defense been so porous in the Sudamericana? Because on paper, it looks like it should be just a lot better than this. I mean, Peruvian teams and set pieces, but... Uh... <laughs> As much as that should be a meme, I I do want to put um, some fault to Snavaloy, the the other center back. He gave away a corner in like the third minute. It it just he he made it so much more complicated for his team when all he had to do was get rid of the ball or or shield the ball, what you know whatever to get it to get the job done. I I think that just it gave Corinthians the edge to be comfortable in the match since the very start. As far as the defense, it's, it's gotten a little bit weaker. I think Carmona's a, on a bit of a decline. Valois is, is a bright spot. I, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't been turned into a midfielder at this point. Uh, I see him more in the opponent's third than I ever do see him in the back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it's... It's a, it's a little complicated. Um, you know, they may have been there may have been some some nerves because they've just taken uh, defeat from the jaws of victory in the the river match and the well in the Peñarol match. It wasn't close, so I I would think their confidence is a little bit shot at this point. I personally don't expect anything more from them in the Sudamericana. They get a draw at home. I, th I think they're going to be satisfied. About all they can hope for at this point, I think. Um, Renato, I, I know Huancayo is all but eliminated um, at this stage, um, but they've started the season in Liga Uno decently well. And if it really wasn't for Cristal running away with the group, they might be in an even better position. So what's the outlook for Huancayo for the rest of the campaign domestically in your eyes? It's just another situation of, like, you don't do well in continental competition, but if you don't, you're not going to do well, then you may as well focus at home. And I think that's what they're just trying to focus now. I think Honkai possibly knew that the Sudamericana was was more of a long shot for them, and they're just going to – they have to try everything. And, unfortunately, they're not doing the Sudamericana, but if they want to at least achieve something again, they'll possibly get into continental competition next year. You're going to have to do well in the league, and you can hope that they'll try to find something. I just hope that they don't, they don't like that loss in the Sudamericana won't disrupt them from the results in League of One, but hopefully things go well. And also, a shout out to Jimmy Valoyes. I passed such an underrated center back. Very underrated center back, for sure. Yeah, I mean, nothing else we could really say about Huancayo. They lose again. They concede a lot of goals. Um, probably going to be the same theme for the, the final team we discuss in this section. But first off, we'll go over to the Copa Libertadores. 
we'll begin with uh, Rentistas Nil, Sporting Cristal Nil. A, a decent point, I, I guess, for Cristal. I mean, they go away from home. They get a result. It keeps them within, I suppose, striking distance of potentially reaching uh, the round of 16 if, you know, obviously results go their way and they get a win in the next match day. But one of the two or three big takeaways of this game, from me at least, um, and Renato, being the Sporting Cristal fan, maybe you can help me with this. What on earth is up with Washington Corozo this season? Like, he's getting in the right positions. He's creating a few chances. It just doesn't seem to be all there right now. So, so what's going on with him? Unfortunately, I think Washington Corozo is in a bad phase right now. He's like, he's 23, I believe. And at that age, you're possibly having a bad phase. And his finishing has been quite poor. But I also believe that in this setup, the match where unfortunately Riquelme got injured last minute. And also Lisa got injured in the first minutes of the match. I guess Washington Corozo was pressured to play as the target man in the match. But... Even before, I knew that Washington Corozo was a terrible target man. He's a winger, and if you're going to make freshman to be the one that's trying to shoot the goals itself, then that's not going to work. It's a shame because if Corozo has like a striker to work with, he can deliver something very good, something very good. But it's a shame. I do, do think I just hope it doesn't lower down his confidence. But some of those chances, man, those were just bad. Like, how do you waste them? Yeah, that's the question we all have after that game. Um, and Kevin, I know that, you know, I, I said on the surface, it isn't a bad point per se, because you go away from home and you get a result. I think you take it. But attacking-wise, it, it just didn't look like it was all there for Cristal. How much did the aforementioned absence of Riquelme and then Lisa's injury mid-game hurt Cristal's attack? I I think it was very unfortunate for Cristal. They going into the Libertadores, they I think they the most depth they got was was on the wing. Mm -hmm. So from from how they played against Racing, to me it was unsustainable to keep Corozo as a starter. So I would have expected maybe um, Avila and Holberg, Olivares and Holberg, something like that, mm -hmm. to to try to surprise. Uh, against Rentistas, and then you have them to, you know, Avilano Olivares getting injured, then you have Riquelme, Lisa. Mosquera's forward options just keep falling like flies. <laughs> so, Cristal has become a clinic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they, they were doing the best they can, but it just wasn't clicking for them. And, and it's unfortunate because I, I really thought they – going into this that they were a superior side to rentistas especially knowing that they are a fairly modest uruguayan team and, and let go of some players i think avisab joined cusco uh, i know they let go of maxilemos and i believe one of the one of the strikers went to argentina so i i thought that it wouldn't uh, end up like this that being said a point is fine so long as they beat Rentistas at home. Yeah, and that's my thought exactly. Um, but keeping on the attacking theme, I guess, um, Renato, one of the, I, I suppose, curiosities from the game, at least in the second half, was the amount of time it took Mosqueda to make 
changes, especially for how much Cristal was dominating the game, despite uh, Martin Davara, by the way, being largely shut down in this match. Uh, they were still, you would imagine, in control. So why did Mosquera take so long to use his subs, the Lisa injury aside? You got to consider this as well. I'll give Mosquera the excuse that his bench options were unfortunately limited than usual. I mean, I, from what I hear, Cristal has a bit of COVID scare cases. They haven't confirmed if it was positive or not, but Avila is out. Olivares, of course, is injured. Believe also Madrid. If he Mosquero possibly wanted to do have more of get support on the right side or left side at some point, but they really didn't have much options. The possibly the closest option he had was someone like someone more like risk takers like with Guimardo, which who later come off and wasted a chance that was just so bad. He also had Diego Soto and I think Castillo and Pertel, but. Even with that, it maybe would have done work on the midfield, but not on the front, which is possibly something you need if you want the goals. But yeah. I do think his his bench options were unfortunately limited, and I don't think I can't say it was his fault because of the injuries and absences. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose. Um, but one of the positive uh, things that Mosquera did tactically or selection wise, I suppose, was. Um, Carlos Lora coming in to replace uh, Johan Madrid, uh, who was probably one of the more maligned players in the first two games in the Libertadores for Cristal. Um, look, I think it's safe to say we were all pretty encouraged by what we saw. Um, but uh, Renato, what did you think of his performance? I mean, a, a massive difference, was it not? Oh, absolutely. Gilmar Lora, you got to consider this. In his first full se- like first season as a starter Cristal, I have not ever seen a, like a player uh, from Cristal's academy play with so much heart and soul. Like, not only you notice like Lotus' character, like of trying like to command of like Cristal's like midfield or even like the front, but he also like how good is he when it comes to his recoveries, like his pace, his like a defending, which so for his physique, that's pretty impressive. And even his like attack and support, like at some points he was even outrunning like some of like the underentistas players, which felt really like satisfying to watch. And even at one point, Lona was just so frustrated that Cristal were wasting their chances that it felt so relatable to relate with. It's come to a point where Lona has now is not getting so much attention by everyone in Peru that even that people are wishing for him to be called up to the Copa Medica. Do I say it's too soon? In a way, yeah, but it's been such a huge rise for him as of late, and you can tell there's a huge difference between him and Madrid. I mean, Madrid is not only is he slow, but he really is like he doesn't function well to give you that defense and offensive transition support. With Lora, you get that. You get his great character, and you get like his determination. Um, Kevin, what did you make of uh, Lora's performance? It, it looked quite encouraging for the future, provided uh, Mosqueda does keep him there. Honestly, I was trying to be cautious with the Lora hype train, but after after seeing him in Libertadores, starting, doing well, performing well, being very uh, focused, he's, you know, giving it his all. I'm, I'm, I can say I'm getting excited. I can, I can see why Gareca put him in his, in his call, in his uh, preliminary list. 
and I wouldn't mind if, if he were to make a, a call up in the near future, even even though it is it is soon. But it's just you know if if Gareca is looking at new options, I I couldn't complain with that. And I I think he was definitely one of the bright. Honestly, both of of Cristal's fullbacks were were very solid to me. I think him and Loyola had a good match. Um, honestly, I wanted Loyola to just get you know move up and have Corozo taken out at one point. <laughs> you may as well just put Johan Madrid on left back because I argue he does better on the left back. <laughs> Good point. Well, I mean, as we have touched on, not a terrible result. Uh, we'll see if that comes back to haunt them, of course, but uh, they at least showed that they can maybe get a win, maybe with some better finishing, they can get the job done back at home. Uh, we shall find out. Uh, we'll close out the section on a somber note. Uh, big shocker here. Uh, Universitario loses again, and they lose big, this time to Independiente del Valle. 4-0 was the final. Um, Renato, is there anything more we can say about La U and Libertadores without sounding like broken records at this point? Yeah, hopeless. <laughs> hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. First, let me just get on to like a rant. Aldo Corzo, he sucks. That's after watching this performance. I know I never realized like I knew he was slow, but I didn't realize how bad slow he was. He was getting outrunned by I think Devay's like right wing back, and it was just hilarious to watch. I think even like he was at fault for the third or fourth goal, which was just hilarious. And the fact that he like he was like playing against Argentina for Peru in, like I think a few months ago, I think in, back in October or November, I just wonder. I just hope for the day guy that could just stop calling him up to the national team because he doesn't deserve it. At the very least, just not fast enough anymore to really cope. And when there's better options, might as well give them the chance, especially as they're older. Um, Kevin, look is. Uh, Angel Comiso in trouble with this Libertadores campaign and then the slow start in Liga Uno on top of that. They have seven points from six games um, and then you have three losses and a minus eight goal difference in continental competition. Is is he at risk of, maybe not so much him getting fired, but could he walk away even? Oh yeah, and Comiso knows it. Like uh, I, I think after the... Uh... On, when he came back from Ecuador, he said he he wouldn't go to Laos uh, training facilities unless if there was police around there. Because <laughs> after the previous incident, he may have been expecting another one. Oh yeah. With the with the Laos fans, and at some point or another, the fans are going to pressure him to leave. Uh, I I I see it as pretty unsustainable unless of the you know. And so Gremko is like, stay until the end of Libertadores or something. But uh, <laughs> rough times for Lao fans. <laughs> rough times. Yeah, I'm sure that. A lot. It says a lot that they even sack him after that final, like last year, where he got sent off stupidly. Yeah, that was not the wisest ending. I, I'm sure it, it kills you, Kevin, to, to say that uh, Universitario is having a rough time these days. Um, but I, I digress. Um, let's... <laughs> Let's move over to Peruvians abroad, why don't we, to close out the show, um, maybe keeping with a somber mood. Renato Tapia, uh, he's been ruled out for the next three weeks with a hamstring injury. Now, he'll be ready for qualifying, but 
probably won't have any minutes beforehand to kind of regain his his rhythm. So, Kevin, is that a worry for you that Tapia will be cold coming into the qualifiers specifically? Um, it, it's an unfortunate situation since Tapia has been having such a great season in La Liga. But I honestly, if if Gareca and Bonillo, they all say that he's he's good to go. I expect them to start. You know, we have we have a must-win match against Colombia and um, to Ecuador. It we have to use what we got. Every every tool that's available, it has to. If, if Tapia can give us sixty minutes, use him sixty. If he can give us more, perfect. I I just see it that way. Um, oh, I fair. I expect. Yeah, I, I expect you know him Aquino Yoton to to have to do like the the whole battle in the midfield for, during both of these games and I, I think that's that's the key for us yeah probably um Renato do, do you see your your namesake starting uh the qualifiers despite the, the the lack of match rhythm oh for sure I mean you gotta keep in mind that Renato Tapia is considered an essential to the scheme of Gareca I mean he's our basically our own Casimero we need somebody like we need a monster into the midfield and I know it's a shame that Tapi is gonna be out for at least three weeks. That some might say, some say that he's gonna miss the rest of La Liga. But some, from what I know, some medicals at Celta said that he could be ready for. He could be at least, at least quote unquote ready for the last day of La Liga. So who knows? Maybe he could come with some match fitness. But I know that Tapi will do will do everything he can to like at least to make it. For the qualifiers in Copa America, well, let's be also glad at least Tapia is right by the near prime of his career, where he's all healthy and only he's not also an injury-prone player, unlike let's just say maybe Paolo at his age of thirty-seven. Yeah, very true, very true. And and at the end of the day, maybe Pedro Aquino aside, is there any other midfielder form-wise who's had a better season than Tapia this year, especially at that high of a level? You have to say no. Um, so, I mean, I expect him to start regardless, but if he can be available for that last match day, even better. Um, sticking to Europe, Miguel Trauco, he's played 24 matches with San Etienne this season, which is a revelation given that, uh, the guy just hasn't really gotten any luck when it comes to playing time the last three years. He appears to be less shaky defensively, which obviously is encouraging because that seems to be the one weakness that he has in his game. Um, so with this in mind... Renato, given that he is playing and that he seems to maybe have figured out some of the defensive issues, not all of them, what is your confidence level at with Trauco right now as we're a month away from qualifying? Oh, I'm very confident with Miguel Trauco at this point. I mean, and I'm happy that he's actually fought hard to keep his place at sent at the end because before we all thought his future was uncertain because I think the club UL did not want him at the club at the beginning of the season but I guess an injury Draco got very lucky with an injury crisis but he's shown to Puel that hey I'm here to fight for my spot and if I, I'm performing I should be captain and that's what hap- what's happening to Draco it really also helps that considering he's playing in such a physical defensive league like league one i think that has improved like draco's defensive game quite a lot especially compared to let's say him when he was at flamengo or also of course it's from universitario i mean 
he's improved quite a lot defensively, and he does show you he can give a lot of that offensive support, which is just possibly one of his trademarks and why he does so well when that's shown. I know Davidico will be happy to know that Druck was playing regularly. I just hope that we get this good form of him in the selection. That's what matters the most. Absolutely, it is. Uh, Kevin, where do you stand on Trauco right now after what has been an uh, improvement in a lot of ways this season? Five years ago, if you would have told me Trauco was getting regular minutes in one of the top leagues in Europe, I'd have been like, come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I genuinely didn't expect this. I, I remember when we did you know, talk about him in the beginning of the season. I said he should leave. I mean, his, his coach had talked smack about him, yeah. basically told him it's useless. <laughs> so I, I think that motivated him to 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 prove his point, to show him up and and fight for a spot. And that's that's a you know, that's a worthy endeavor. I'm I'm proud of Trauco for that. Hopefully, it's just the beginning of of a successful career in Europe. Absolutely, for sure. I also think he was even like about to go to Greece or even Turkey at some point. Yeah, that's true. He he was uh, fielding loan offers uh, last summer, and now look where he is. Amazing what uh, a few months could do for a player's confidence. But yeah, as Kevin said, I echo that sentiment. Really uh, good on him to you know use that uh, uh, digging as motivation to reclaim his place. And I mean, he's not only has he kind of improved defensively but he's been showing his attacking qualities too like you, you look at his numbers across the board and he's very influential for San Etienne in the final third so maybe all that translates next month and uh, it helps Peru get some massive victories some much needed victories uh, shifting gears to the Middle East Christian Cueva he started well in Saudi Arabia since that move to Al Fateh um, although this usually happens with Cueva he seems to arrive at a team settle in pretty quickly do very well, and then it just goes into a tailspin after that. But if this form continues, heading into the call-up and then the the subsequent camp that follows, um, Renato, do you want to see Gueva as a starter next month? Oh, definitely. I know we can all talk smack about Gueva, but this is like the first time in a long time that he's been on a great form for in club level. Now we all know that it's been a few, few, like a few recent difficult years for Cueva, both on and off the field, especially with personal his quote unquote personal problems. But with Alpha, he's been such a fantastic signing. He gives you the goals and the assists. And considering that Cueva is an an essential to Ganeka's like style of play, he's definitely someone that's going to be needed if we want like at least the creativity and the goals. So. I think the person who's going to be most happy is Gareca. I also hope Cueva will be ready will be ready for next month. And there's one thing that about Cueva that we all know is that if he's focused, he always performs for Peru. No matter what he does, if he's 100% focused, he'll give you what you need. For sure. That's that's always usually guaranteed. Uh, Kevin, what, what do you think about uh, Cueva at this point? Do, do you see him starting next month? Honestly, Cueva has always been like my favorite player. <laughs> I, I think he's gonna be there. Uh, I think he should start in you know four two three one or a four three three. And honestly, 
he's on fire. His Alfate was was a relegation side when when he got there. Now they're in in dispute for a, a Champions League spot and Asian Champions League spot. And I'm happy. I'm happy for him. He's he's just turned it all around. I don't know if it's you know him settling down with his family or. That there's no alcohol out there. <laughs> That's actually true. There isn't in a lot of places. Saudi Arabia, so. Well, <laughs> we've cracked the code. Only send Christian Cueva to countries where there's an alcohol ban. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's doing him good. That's all I can say. <laughs> if Peru qualifies for Qatar, then he's golden. That's great. Maybe, maybe we have cracked the code. My God. Um, as I try to Did we say Carlos Asco is there at this point? Yeah, let's send all Peruvians there who have a problem partying. My God, we might have cracked the code, guys. Just send everybody to Saudi Arabia. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he's very clearly playing with confidence, and a confident Cueva is always the best Cueva that we can have available. Um, yes, I understand it's Saudi Arabia, but it is a decent league, and the fact he's playing regularly again is huge because he's going to come into camp fit. Um, you imagine he's going to be riding very high, and we saw that when he came into the team, uh, even in the in the games where Peru looked horrible, um, specifically against Chile and, and Argentina, you could see the attacking vigor he added to the side and the creativity he added to the side. Um, and by the way, two for two from the penalty spot at Alfate so far this season. Just saying. Uh, so maybe he's figured that out too. Um, and if I rattle through the numbers, uh, five goals, four assists so far for him in just under 800 minutes. Uh, Non-penalty expected goals uh, per 90. It is currently 0.37, which is solid for a number 10 for sure. And an astounding 0.63 expected assists per 90. So when you're posting or expected to uh, register nearly an assist per game, that's uh, pretty good in my books. So hopefully that continues and he carries that into the qualifiers next month and probably Copa America as well. Um, now my big question, guys, among uh, the MLS-based players as we come back to this side of the Atlantic uh, is Edison Flores at this point. And we discussed Luis Iberico, his rise. Um, and look, Flores has been decent to start the season. Don't get me wrong. But he was invisible for Peru in his last few games um, and hasn't quite settled into what has been a new coach, a new system at DC United. So where do you stand on him now that we are a few weeks away from the next game and with uh, a couple of domestic options making a rise recently uh kevin wh where do you stand on flores right now you know I, I respect flores uh he was definitely a good player for the national team he's still one of the top scorers for in the Aragareca. so i expect him to get called up but i i don't think he should start at this point i think um he's a healthy option off the bench because we know what he can offer and Right now, he maybe he just needs to to get his minutes shortened a little bit so he can focus on on getting this done against you know maybe a tired defense and just sneak into the area, pull off one of his bangers, and call it a day. Yeah, maybe as simple as that. Uh, Renato, where do you stand on the Flores debate right now? I love Flores. He when he's on point, he can give you a lot of these golazos, but. It hasn't been really a good like two years for Flores ever since he left Mexico. 
ever since he's joined DC United, he's he got, he's been getting injured and he's not been showing like that form that he showed with Monarchas, which which got him a lot of attention. Possibly like possibly the best football he's played in club form. Though you can also argue that Brodus is more of a country player than a and then a club player, which says a lot. But I do think that he needs competition. Like he can't he can't be the only one that's on our left wing. Like we need options, and that's where maybe players like Emerico could come in at least a challenge Flores for the spot, and that can hopefully bring Flores and make him realize that he that he needs to raise his level if he wants to stay. Yeah, I almost wonder if uh, if we think back to the press conference, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, that that we saw, I believe it was after the fourth qualifier, um, and you know Peru had only had one point, and everybody was kind of freaking out and and everything else. But then Juan Carlos Oblitas comes on, and he he doesn't name anybody by name, but he basically said, look, if there are any players who are feeling complacent or don't feel like, you know, like, like they're basically, they're untouchable, then they better be careful because, you know, for, for obvious reasons, like no one should feel comfortable right now when they only have a point out of four games. And my first thought in terms of who he could be talking about was Yoshimaru Tun, but maybe even Orejas could be in that uh, group as well, just because there hasn't been a lot of competition there for him, and now that we're seeing a lot more young players starting to stake their claim, uh, perhaps he could be one of those guys at risk of, of, of getting dropped. Now he hasn't also been a regular starter for you know the last couple of years, but who knows? M- maybe that's the kick in the teeth he needs to maybe reinvigorate his Peru form and potentially his club form too. But yeah, obviously very exciting times right now is. Peru is very close to returning for the first time in, what will it be, seven months? So, uh, yeah, can't wait for that for sure. Uh, But that is going to do it for us this week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps the show a lot when you do. Uh, I am Peter Galindo. You can follow me on Twitter at GalindoPW. You can follow the show at Peru Waltz. Renato, what is your Twitter and your final thought for the week? My Twitter handle is Renato underscore son. If I have to give a final thought, I want to give a message to Gareca. Please do not select Aldo Corso for the national team at this point. <laughs> He's awful. Please. I, I like that you're continuing the theme. That's very good. That's very good. Uh, no, seriously. If 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 somebody like Lora or Estrada get get do not get attention yet, Corso does, then I I don't think we deserve to go to Qatar. Yeah, maybe not. Um, Kevin, what is your Twitter and your final thought for the week? Hey, you guys can follow me at kmontelvon7. And just uh, I just hope that Eka shows up to Melgada's home games. Because that, that's, you know, even he needs a bright spot every now and then. This is the Peruvian Waltz team, and we are signing off. Chale mi fring y cubillas y el gran pericoleón, bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan la selección.